The commitment move of total surrender says that you'll do what God prompts you to do, even if it makes you uncomfortable and you don't understand. We're in week five of Bridging the Gap, and Chris is discussing how total surrender to God is the key that opens the blessed life, a life of peace, a life of contentment, joy, and purpose. Here's Chris. Yeah. How cool is it to be a part of a church where people's lives are being changed? It's, uh, I, you know, um, I look at these bridges that we're building and I'm so excited about them, but then I look at what God's doing day in, day out, week in, week out through the ministry of our church, and I get excited about that too. I mean, it is so amazing to be a part of what God is doing uh, in our community. And, uh, and as, we, uh, as we lean into bridging the gap and we lean into these projects that God has given us, uh, I want us to be so excited about those. And at the same time, guys, we have to be excited about what God is doing through just the, the regular old ministry of the Vineyard Church in Wheeling, West Virginia, because he's changing lives and he's probably changed yours. And so it's a, it's a cool spot to be. If you're new with us, uh, let me catch you up on what you just walked into. So <laughs> you have some context. We are in the middle of a series, a six-week series called Bridging the Gap. And we are, uh, we've laid out four bridges. I covered those in the video. Four things that we're trying to do over the next two years. We're going to try and raise two and a half million dollars to pay for those things. It's expanded ministry, expanded vision, expanded work to do, and so it's going to take an expanded budget to pull that off. Uh, and that's our secondary goal is, is the money. Our primary goal is that 100% of us would take a step of faith in trusting God and joining with him in what he is up to through bridging the gap. And so you walked into the middle of that. Uh, we have been, up to this point, we've been in the middle of a oh, I don't know, a 50-week sermon series in the book of Genesis. And so uh, we'll pick back up on that here in a couple weeks. Uh, we have one more week of this series. Then we'll have two weeks of Genesis, and then we will take another break for this holiday that's coming up called Easter. Um, that's coming up pretty quick. I want to encourage you on Easter, if you haven't started to think about, pray about, and invite people, uh, it's time to start. Easter is going to be here like that, and uh, that is the easiest, that and Christmas Eve, two easiest invites of the year, two most likely times that people say, yeah, I'll come to church with you, other than when you're getting baptized. So <laughs> invite, invite people to come to church. It's going to be a great celebration. We're doing one service here uh, at 1030. This place will be packed. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing Easter service. So that's coming up. So if you're new with us, now you have some context. You know what you walked into. Uh, and uh, yeah, welcome. Glad that you're here. Um, so we've been on a journey over the past five weeks or four weeks and then, and then this week. We started with kind of the vision and mission, the big picture of, of where we feel like God's taken us over the next two years. And uh, super excited about that. I'm so thrilled in the conversations I'm having with you guys that uh, just the, the, the level of excitement in the church for what God has given us to do and that we get to be a part of that and that it's all tied to our mission of helping people find and follow God. That's what we're about. That's what we do. The second week, we came back and said, 
I shared that, you know, I feel like God whispered to my heart, this is as much for you as it is for the people that will be ministered to through the projects that we do. That God has in mind to expand your faith, to stretch your faith, and to grow your faith and your relationship with him in dynamic ways. And so week number two, we talked about transformation uh, through this, through this uh, bridging the gap journey that we're on. The, the third week, I came back and talked about trust that most of us have trust issues, that we claim to believe in Jesus, but we kind of live like we don't so often because the trust is different than belief, right? We, we call it faith, believing God enough to do what he says, but it's different than I have these theological things that I, I believe with my head, but are you believing it with your life? That's faith, that's trust, and that's the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. And then last week I talked about sacrifice, how God uses sacrifice to stretch us out of our comfort zone and put us in a situation where we have to trust him, we see him come through, it grows our faith, it leads to transformation. Are you seeing how this journey is unfolding? You get it? All right, so this week, we're, uh, we're gonna talk about surrender. But before I do, I just wanna acknowledge that this is, in some ways, an uncomfortable sermon series. Uh, and it's an uncomfortable sermon series, I think, for two reasons. Not because I am presenting this in an uncomfortable way or I'm pressuring you or anything like that. I hope I'm not. I hope it's not coming across that way. Uh, but because when God starts addressing the idols in our life, we get uncomfortable. And for most of us, even longtime Christians, because we just kind of drift off the altar, right? We talked about crawling off the altar last week. For most of us, money unconsciously can become an idol in our life. And Jesus talked about that over. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven. Not because he was after your money or anybody else's, but because he was after your heart and he was after your surrender to him. But when he starts when he starts putting his finger on the idols in our lives, it becomes uncomfortable, at least at first. Now, what I've found is that it's uncomfortable at first, and then if you will lean into him and wrestle that through on the other side of it, it gets really exciting. It gets really, it gets really fun because in the end, we want to walk in a dynamic relationship with God, not just a belief system, right? Uh, this, is, this is not about believing the right things. It's important to believe the right things, but this is about a life transformed, a life engaged in God's spirit leading us through life and with a deep sense of faith and trust, it enables us to live differently. But it's uncomfortable when he starts, to, when he starts addressing those issues in our life. And I think for others of us, it's uncomfortable because we've got trust issues. Maybe because of a church that you were involved in before that betrayed your trust and now you're wrestling through, oh man, I don't know if I can trust, or, or maybe it's trust issues with God, um, or maybe you're just naturally a cynical person and, 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 and kind of not trusting and you're having to wrestle through that. And, and I just want to say, again, lean in. I believe God has some healing for some of us in that regard as we go through this process. But the reality is, guys, as Americans, we have a very 
high propensity to put our trust in things, whether it's our trust for our security or our trust for our identity and our comfort. We put our trust in money. We do. We are marketed to 6,000 to 10,000 impressions a day telling you that it's all about you. You don't have enough. If you can buy this thing, it will fulfill you. Of course, you know it doesn't, but the, you, know, you say it enough times, people start to believe it, that the world revolves around you, that the, your fulfillment is based on what you can buy, not who you are or whose you are. And the message of Jesus is the opposite of that, isn't it? The message of Jesus is you're not the center of the universe. He is. The message of Jesus is, it's not about you, it's about him. The message of Jesus is, seek first my kingdom, I'll take care of all the rest of it. And your contentment is found in your relationship with me. Your security is found in your relationship with me, not what you can do for yourself. And fulfillment is found in figuring out that I'm enough. It's the opposite of what our world is saying to us each and every day, thousands of times a day. And so when we hear that messaging over and over and over again, our propensity is to believe it, whether we believe it consciously or subconsciously. And it's uncomfortable when that gets challenged. But only initially, I think as you wrestle that through with God, if you genuinely lean into him, what will happen is you're gonna see a transformation and an anticipation begin to develop in your heart. So this, re- this week, we're gonna talk about surrender. Next weekend, we are going to come together. Uh, this will be the last week of the series, and we're going to make what I call a commitment move. We're going to present our commitments to God for giving over the next two years. This is a financial next step. I'm going to trust you with my finances, God. This is the practical step for this series. And, um, and uh, it's, that's a profound step. That's a profound step. Now, I want to explain what a commitment move is. Uh, it, it comes from the world of rock climbing. I used to be a, a rock climber back in the days when I was younger and my body would take it. Um, and, uh, and rock climbing is a lot of fun. It, actually, when you get comfortable on the rock and, and climbing up into high places, it becomes, it's, it's like a big jungle gym for adults. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Uh, but you're hundreds of feet at times off the ground. Uh, if, if you've ever seen Seneca Rocks, you know, climbing up Seneca Rocks, there are points where you're four, five, six, seven hundred feet off the deck, and you're holding on to this rock face, and you're looking down, and you're like, well, if I fall, I'm dead, right? And, and, and so that part's not fun until you learn to trust yourself, and you learn to t- trust your equipment, and you learn to trust the person who's holding the rope. Um, and so uh, until that point, like when you first start out rock climbing, it really isn't all that much fun because you don't trust all those things yet. And as you get a higher and higher off the ground, you know, it starts to mess with your mind. And, and, and here's, here's the, the trick about rock climbing. It's not all like extremely hard. Like you can travel for a while and there's handholds and footholds and, um, And you can climb and climb and climb and climb, but eventually you will get to this place where where it's what's called a crux move. It's a hard part. 
And so you're holding on to, maybe you have a good handhold here and a good handhold here and good ledge to stand on here, but now you're gonna step out over here and you have a little nubbin to put, your, to put the edge of your foot on, right? You have special shoes so it will hold on to that. Just a little bump in the rock and maybe, you know, it's not a, a handhold like this. There's just barely get a hand there and you're gonna step out onto the rock and you're gonna make what's called a commitment move. You're never going to get past that crux move unless you commit to it and step out and let go of the safer part of the rock. So what happens inevitably, especially as you're learning to rock climb and you're learning to trust your equipment and you're learning to trust the person holding the rope, is you're holding onto the rock, you've got this commitment move to make to continue up the rock, otherwise you're stuck there and you just kind of, it's called, it's called getting gripped. That's what they, they, the rock climbers call it, dude. And, uh, and, and you'll start to, you know, the leg will start to shake and it's all up in your head because you're holding onto the rock and you're gripping tighter and tighter and you're getting lactic acid releasing in your muscles and you're getting sore. And, and guys, it's miserable. It's miserable. How do you get past that? Well, you decide I'm going to make a commitment move. You know, again, you, 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 you trust, you decide, okay, my, the person holding the rope is trustworthy. The rope is strong enough. The equipment is good enough. I'm going to step out. Now, if I step out and I fall and all of that's true, I'm just going to fall a few feet. It's not going to be a big deal, right? But when you're 400 feet off the ground and you're looking down, it feels like a big deal, right? And it's not until you make a commitment move or two that you learn and fall or not. You either fall and, and the rope catches you or you take that, make that commitment move and you climb past that place and you keep going and it's the thrill of a lifetime, right? And it becomes so much fun. Here's the problem. So many of us in a practical faith way are going through life not trusting the one who's holding the rope. Like we say we do, we believe, we believe in Jesus that he died on the cross to forgive our sins, but we're holding on to the cliff of life going like this. And that's not very much fun. And it's, in fact, it's exhausting. And part of what we're doing in bridging the gap is I'm inviting you to make a commitment move, to step out and trust God and watch him come through and learn experientially that he is holding the rope and he is trustworthy. And as you do, as you, as you, and, and, and I mean, faith, this faith journey is a series of commitment moves. This one is super practical. I said at the beginning of the series, until we wrestle the issue of stuff and the grip that stuff has in our lives, until we wrestle that to the ground, we're never really free. And so this is a big one. This is a big opportunity to do that, to make that commitment move and as you learn, man, climbing becomes so much fun. And I would say this, the adventure of life is lived differently when you truly trust the one holding the rope. And that's the power of a commitment move. And it requires us to surrender even when it makes us uncomfortable to say to God, I'm gonna obey you even though I don't completely understand, even if I have to sacrifice. I'm going to step out, I'm going to obey you, I'm going to make that commitment move, and it's gonna feel scary, but I know that I can trust the one holding the rope. Now, 
when you get to the other side of that fear in rock climbing, rock climbing becomes a blast, becomes so much fun. And the same thing is true in life because you can move through life with a confidence that the rest of the world can't. You can face the obstacles uh, along the, the climb of life with a whole different kind of mindset, a freedom, a confidence in God, a peace that passes understanding. It gets real. So that brings me to point number one. If you brought your, uh, brought your Bridging the Gap notebook, I'd encourage you to open up to page 34 and write some things down, whatever God's saying to you as we go through this. But the first point is this, surrender is the commitment move. Surrender is the commitment move. In, uh, in the Old Testament, there's a, um, there are two really big prophets. Moses, heard of them? Say yes. And Elijah. Uh, and Elijah, uh, is, he's got these crazy, miraculous things that kind of happen around his ministry, and, and, uh, but he is just revered. Uh, as the, kind of the big dog of the Old Testament prophets. And uh, he has, he's out in the desert with God and by this brook, and God's taking care of him, and there's a famine on the way. There's a drought that's coming. And in their part of the world, if there's a drought, there's a famine that's going to follow that drought. And so in 1 Kings 17, verse 7, it says this, sometime later, the brook that he was, he was hanging out by dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the re region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Well, she was going to get it. She doesn't question that. It must have been like a hospitality thing in their culture. You know, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to go get you a drink of water since she asked. So she's going to get the drink of water, and, and he yells after her. He says, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Well, she snaps. I mean, she's like, <laughs> she's like, turns around and is about to give Elijah the what for. And she says this, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, since the agitation, <laughs> I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is a hopeful story. The famine is hit, people are out of food, she's got enough food to make one last meal for her and her son. She has resigned herself to the fact that they are going to die. And, she, and this prophet has the gall to ask her for part of their last meal. And she's a little, she's a little feisty about it. Well, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Elijah says, look, go make bread like you said, but make me a little loaf 
Give me the first part of, of, of what you're going to make. Trust me, God will provide. Well, in order for her to engage in that provision, the first thing she's got to do is make a commitment move. Like, okay, I'm going to eat a half a meal, and then I'm going to die. But we'll see what happens, see if God comes through. But she could have gone and said, forget it, here's your water. My son and I are going to eat our bread and, and go on from there. But she doesn't. She makes a, a loaf for Elijah. She brings it to Elijah. And then for the rest of this drought, the rest of this famine, every time she goes to pour out oil or flour, scoop flour out of the jar, there's flour and there's oil there. It's a miraculous provision. It's kind of like Jesus with the fish and loaves. You know, five, five fish or five loaves and a couple of fish and, and, um, and, uh, and God just multiplies it and multiplies it and multiplies it. But that young man had to trust enough to bring the, bring the fish and loaves to Jesus. He had to make a commitment move. This widow had to make a commitment move. She had to surrender her stuff to Elijah, a.k.a. God, through Elijah, and God's provision. The, 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 and it wasn't the food as much. It was the ability to trust God. Oh, God, it's, I don't know if you've ever experienced a miracle like that. Many of us have. And you look and you go, oh, you are real. You know, <laughs> kind of like the M&Ms. You are real. Or Santa Claus, whatever it is. But it's, it's like, yeah. And it's so cool. But it comes as we make a commitment move. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Trust God. You know, I had a... I had a friend, I, we became friends in the, in the uh, mid-80s. Um, he's about 20 years older than I am. He lived in the, the hills outside of West Liberty, and a really, really good guy. And he and his wife came to faith in Jesus during the Jesus movement back in the 70s. And they were just out of college. They didn't have two pennies to rub together. Uh, he had a, a, a job. It was a cool job, but he didn't make any money at it. And uh, they were just kind of going through life. It was the 70s, so everything was groovy. And, and uh, you know, and, and they were living their life. And uh, Jesus got a hold of their life. And, uh, and they were saved, and they, had, they plugged into a little country church out in the hills, and were going to church, and and just loving Jesus and living life. Well, they ended up going to this conference, and at this conference, they heard about this concept of financial stewardship and trusting God with your stuff and tithing. And they got so excited about it, they said, well, we're going to do that. We're going to tithe. So they came back, and they found the pastor at the church, and why didn't you tell us about this? He goes, I don't know. Um, they said, well, we're going to do it. No, they didn't have any, you know, I mean, 10% of, of, of little is little, right? So they didn't have a lot to give. Didn't make a huge difference in the budget of the church, but, but they were going to do it. They, were, they had made a commitment move. And so, and, and literally, guys, they were living on, they were living paycheck to paycheck. And, but they said, we're going to do this, and no matter what, we're going we're gonna, to gonna give God our first and our best, as we've talked about in this series. And, uh, and they would hit times where they're like, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know how we're going to do this. And my, my friend tells this story. It's so funny. He said, one day we were short like 50 bucks or something. And, uh, and we didn't know where it was going to come from, but we, you know, we, we decided we're gonna, God, God gets our first and best. And he went out on the porch to pray about it. 
And he's standing out on the porch. He looked back towards the window, kitchen windows right there on the porch. He looked back and they had a little flower pot and he noticed there was something. The flower pot walks over and there's a $50 bill in the flower pot. I mean, this is starting to sound a lot like the story with Elijah, right? And, and, and he, he said, you know, there were times. I mean, it wasn't just one time we were short. He said, I could go back to the flower pot. I, he said, I don't know if it was the neighbor or somebody from the church or an angel or what. He said, we never, ever went without. I'm like, where do I get a magic flower pot? You know, that's awesome. And he said, but what that did for my faith and for our faith, that God has us no matter what, we're going to make a commitment move, and I'm going to see God come through. Now, I hesitate to tell stories like that, but I got so many of them to tell because it happens all the time. But I don't want to promise you you're going to get a magic flower pot. God is not a money machine. That's not how this works. This is about faith and blessing, not necessarily a money machine that you have on your window ledge. I don't know what God will do with you, but what I do know is that God will show himself faithful if you'll make a commitment move with him. Total surrender to God is the key that opens up the blessed life because once you learn to trust him, even with your stuff, man, it opens up another dimension of faith, peace that passes understanding. As you face the trials of life, whether it's a financial crisis or a health crisis or a relational crisis, when you know that you know God comes through, God's got this, he'll work it out, you travel differently through life. There's a peace that comes, there's a security that it doesn't all depend on you. How many of us are tired of living like it all depends on us? This is, a, this is tough for guys especially. We feel like, well, i got to provide and blah, 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 and what if there's not enough and, and all of that, and we live like it all depends on us, and it's killing you because it doesn't. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom. I'll take care of the rest. Trust me. It's a different way to live, and some of us are so hungry for that. You need that in such a big way. We live, it opens up contentment in our lives. Like the addiction to stuff starts to wane and brings us, and there's a joy and a sense of purpose as we join God in what he's doing. In God's economy, this is the second point, in God's economy, amount sacrificed is more important than amount given. My friend that I told you about didn't have much wasn't big, big dollar amounts. It's kind of like the widow's mite last week that we talked about where, where Jesus points out this widow who throws in her last two pennies. And he says, she's given more than these millionaires who are throwing in big numbers because she's given by faith. And they're just given out of their excess. God is not impressed by big numbers. Like, God is impressed by trust. He's in, he's in, impressed by sacrifice. The numbers don't matter to him because he really owns everything anyway. What he's impressed with is what that number does to our hearts. Is it, or like C.S. Lewis last week, I I shared the quote from C.S. Lewis, the only safe way to give is to give until it scares you because only then do you know that you're giving by faith. He's not after your wallet. He's after your heart. 
He wants you to live life with a heart that's fully trusting him, fully surrendered, willing to be made uncomfortable through sacrifice, and watch him come through. And that brings me to point three. If you will surrender to God everything, he will provide for you everything you need. Let me say that again. If you will surrender to God everything, he will provide for you everything you need. You know, God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. He doesn't. And if you only have a little, a little, or a percentage of a little is a, a little, right? And if you have a lot, a percentage of a lot is, is more. God doesn't ask us to give what he, we don't have. What he does ask us to give him is everything we do have. What he desires for our hearts, guys, is that we, everyone, and this is, this is one of the most life-changing mindset shifts you will make in your journey. What he desires is that we get to that place where we say, God, it's all yours. 100% of what I have belongs to you. It's not mine. It's not, not 10% yours and 90% mine. Uh-uh, 100% yours. And I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to do with it whatever you tell me to do with it. Acknowledge that everything is him, and then let him direct you from there. Well, that's scary. Not really. Actually, scary is when it all depends on you and how smart you can be and, and, uh, and what you can, can generate and make happen in your life because there's so much beyond your control. It's a lot of pressure we weren't meant to live with. What about... What about when things are thin? I mean, what about when I don't have a whole lot or the business isn't going well or, or um, whatever? I think those are the times where we're tempted to pull back and, and not trust God. We're tempted not to be gener- generous. We're tempted to fall into a scarcity mindset. Like there won't be enough. Got to hold on. And those are the times, guys, where we can't afford to not be generous. All right, I'm going to tell one more story, and I'll, I'll apologize for it at the end because it's another one of those stories that I hate to tell because I don't want to promise you a magic uh, flower pot, but um, I, have a, I have another really good friend who, uh, when, he, when, well, friends, actually, both of them, when they got married, they decided they were going to tithe. This was, this was kind of their commitment move. And they made this, made this commitment to one another. They made it to God. We're going to tithe. They didn't have extra um, to, you know, they, they worked out their budget and they figured we, well, we can do this and, and, um, and hopefully we won't have any financial crisis along the way. Well, this one particular week, not long after they were married, uh, they had two financial hits, totaled about $1,000. And they're like, I don't know how we're going to do this. So like, we could stop tithing and, and, and try and dig our way out of this. And they sat down together, and they talked about it, and they prayed, and their decision was, we are not going to stop. We've made a commitment. We're going to make a commitment move here. We're going to trust God. So they make that decision. They make that commitment. They got up, and uh, my friend walked over, and they had bought a, um, 
a wardrobe from Levin Furniture. Um, just Levin's important. Um, so they bought, bought, had this wardrobe, and one of the drawers had come off track, you know? And so, it, and my friend's like, well, I'm going to fix, fix the drawer. So he goes over, he pulls the drawer out to, to reset it on its tracks, and he notices inside the, 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 the cabinet, there's something taped to the side of the cabinet. And when he looks in, he reaches in, he grabs it, there's a $100 bill taped to the inside of the cabinet. He's like, that's weird. Well, you know, anybody want to guess what he did next? He took out the rest of the drawers. <laughs> Guys, there were 10 $100 bills taped inside that cabinet. And he, he uh, first thing he did, because he was is a man of integrity, he called Levin Furniture. And their response, he said, hey, I bought this, this wardrobe. And the first thing the guy on the phone said is, you can't return it. <laughs> Just so you know, if you buy something at Levin, you can't return it. And uh, he proceeded to tell the guy, well, I found some money, and so he goes, I don't know what to tell you, dude, just you know, keep it or whatever. And Do you think my friend has a depth of faith because he made a commitment move, stepped out on the face of the rock, saw that God's holding the rope, and, and, and God's got him to, try to navigate the next obstacle in life and the next, next obstacle in life? You bet he does. You bet they do, both of them. That's the power of a commitment move. Now, I'm not going to promise you that God's going to tape a bunch of money inside of a, a cabinet for you, because it's not about money. God's not a money machine. It's about provision, it's about blessing, and sometimes it's crazy, like, oh my gosh, that's wild, in the next minute, and sometimes it's over time. Sometimes he lets us, lets us go <gasps> for a few minutes before, before something comes through. But what you will find is that God will always, always, if you surrender to him, if you make commitment moves with him, he will always have you, and he will pour blessing out on your lives that you can't explain, and it is cool. When we make a declaration of trust and surrender, it's when God does his best miracles in our lives. Now, I know I've had a couple questions about this. You know, in the media, they're talking about possibly a recession, and my response is, when are they not in the media? That's how they make their money, right? They fear and, and all of that. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball as far as what the economy is going to do, but one of the questions that I've heard is, is this the best time to be doing these bridges and to, to step out in faith? And you know, like, this is when God is leading us to step out in faith. And so we're going to step out in faith and do what God tells us to do and trust him for the results. And so if that's what he's leading us to do, then yes, this is the best time to do that. And I would say the same thing for us on a personal level. Is this the best time to, to take a risk, to take a, make a, a step of faith, to make a commitment move? Yes, if that's what God is calling you to do. And that is why, guys, I have asked you to pray and listen, invite God to stretch you, but ultimately, at the end of the day, do what he tells you. 
But don't make a decision based on fear. Make a decision based on faith. And I think what you'll find is at first, it'll take your breath away. I know last week, if you weren't here last week, I shared that I felt like God was calling me to to, uh, sell my motorcycle and donate those proceeds to, to Bridging the Gap. That took my breath away. But as I wrestled with it, as I leaned into God in prayer and talked that through, I got really excited about what God's going to do with that. You know, and that's the way it is, not just in, in the financial part of our lives and surrender in that arena, in every part of our lives. My experience has been God has called me into things that I didn't want to do or I didn't think that I wanted to do. And as I, as I have said, yes, I want what you want more than I want what I want, as I work through that, I get excited about what he's up to and what he's going to do. And then I find myself in a different place than I probably would have thought but the best place I possibly could be and excited for what God's doing in my life because of my surrender, my obedience, and my commitment moves along the way. This applies to every area of faith. Well, every one of us is in a different place. Um, and, um, and so I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago with this, with this ladder here, the generosity ladder. Every one of us in our, in our giving and in our stewardship are, are in different places, and that's okay. Now, one of the things I love about the vineyard is that, you know, wherever you are, that's where we start. And you're welcomed and loved, and you're not judged, and you're not condemned. And so there's some of us who, who down, or down here on the occasional side of things, maybe you've never given anything, or maybe you give every once in a while, but it's just real haphazard or whatever, you're an occasional giver. That's all right. That's all right. My challenge to you is to let God stretch you up the ladder, right, up to an intentional giver, which I think bridging the gap would, would challenge all of us to that. I would encourage, intentional just means I'm going to set an amount and I'm going to give that regularly. I would encourage you, skip this one and go to proportional. In other words, a proportional is just a percentage giver. So instead of saying, I'm going to give $50 or $100 or whatever, I'm going to give, figure out the percentage. Do the math. You can do this. And, and I'm going to, going to give that amount regularly. And the reason for that is, is it changes the way we think about giving, and it gets us down the road to tithing. All right, and that tithing is that 10% giving that we talked about a few weeks ago. But wherever you are on this, maybe you're here, maybe you're here, maybe you're here, I challenge you to allow God to call you up a step or two or three, whatever he's saying to you, but allow him to stretch you until you feel it. Make that commitment move and watch him come through. For those of us that are, are, are tithers, You know, let God take your breath away about how he would have you participate. This is a spiritual exercise for you as much as it is anything for the projects. Now, the sweet side of this is you get to be a part of something that's pretty amazing too. So, all right. Next week, we're going to do something pretty cool. 
Next week, we're going to wrap up this sermon series, and, uh, and we are going to bring our commitments to the Lord. I talked about how surrender and doing what God wants over what we want is worship, right? We talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. And uh, next week is a kind of a, we're going to have a worship service and we're going to bring our commitments to God for the next two years. And um, just practically, so you know, what that enables us to do is that enables us to go partner with other ministries and, and organizations that will help us front end finance the project across the street and get that done. Because if I have, with those numbers, we can go and say, we've got these commitments, we can actually we can actually begin to move forward. So that's, that's kind of why we're doing this, or part of why we're doing this. Part of it is so that you have the opportunity to sit down and let God take your breath away and make a commitment move. Does that make sense? So um, if you've not started to pray yet about what God would have you do, it's time to start to pray because next Sunday is go time. And uh, I just want to encourage you, as, as you do, and um, there were several questions this week about, about how, how to do these calculations. So I'm going to go through it real quick one last time as you're praying um, this week so you understand what we're talking about. There's a, there's a column on the, on the left and there's a column on the right. There we go. Column on the left is one-year figures. So what we normally give in a year at the top there on the left side that's what you would normally give in a, in a year. So whatever your normal giving is, put that down. If it's zero, that's all right. We designed this with you in mind. Write zero there. Now, the next, the next step uh, or the next line down is additional annual generosity commitment. This is, this is, God, how are you stretching me beyond what I normally do to engage in the expanded ministry that you are calling us to as a church. So this is expanded giving over and above what you usually do. Then we're gonna add those two things together on that third line. That's one year times it by two because it's a, what? Two year process. And then you're gonna move it and you're gonna put that number over on the right side, on the top line on the right side. And then stored resources. So maybe God has blessed you with stuff. Last week I said, I want you to visualize the top five most expensive things you own and ask God what it would look like to give one of them back to him. I'm not telling you that he's telling you to do that. Um, I want you to pray about that. But that could be real estate, that could be stocks, it could be savings, it could be a toy, like a motorcycle, just as a random example. Um, and that goes on that line, add them together, and the bottom line is my total giving over the next two years. All right, that's the line that matters. The rest of those lines are there just to help you think this through, to pray this through. To say, God, how are you stretching me? Just so you can visualize it a little bit. All right, you can put as much or as little of that information on the card as you want, but that bottom line number is the number that really matters from, uh, you know, from our perspective. So when you, when you, when you turn this in, and then bring this next week, and we're going to have a worship service and a celebration service, and we're going to bring these things forward, and we're going to present them to God as an act of worship, and we're going to celebrate 
what he has done, what he's doing in you, and what he is about to do through you in this community and around our world. My prayer, guys, is that every one of us makes a commitment move. 100% participation. Even if that number is zero on what you usually give, that you take a step up the ladder or two. And that you invite God to stretch you, to build your faith, to show you how real he is beyond just a philosophy. He is a friend. He is actively involved in your life. He's got you. Make a commitment move. And get excited for what God's going to do over the next couple of years. Our next practical step of surrender is in the area of finances. And I want to invite you to do that. Not under pressure, but under prayer. Doing what he tells you to do. And if you allow him to stretch you, if you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and step out onto the rock and make that commitment move over, the, over that next thing, he'll take your breath away and it is the adventure of a lifetime. That's what I want to invite you to. Let's stand. We're going to sing one more worship song, and, and uh, as we do, I just encourage you, listen for his voice. What is he speaking to you in the midst of all of this? Lord, would you just fill this place right now with your presence? God, would you, would you fill our hearts? Would you, would you speak to our hearts and to our minds? Lord, I pray that you would stretch us. I pray, God, that, uh, God, if we're playing it safe, that you'd challenge us. God, if we're, if we're cynical, that you would heal the, 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 the woundedness in our hearts that makes us so. God, I pray that you would meet each one of us where we are and that, God, you would expand our faith. God, that you would do miracles in our lives. God, that we would be able to be a part of what you're doing in this world and have that purpose and that sense of mission and invested in your kingdom, God, and all the joy and things that that brings. And God, at the same time, that you would blow our hearts wide open in faith. God, that we would know that we know. You've got us. You're holding the rope. God, we can enjoy this, this journey, this adventure of life in a different way because it's not all depending on my ability to hold on to the side of a mountain, God, but it is about you holding me. Lord, I pray every one of us would know that, not just in our head, but deep in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak now. As we sing, as we worship, that you would just speak into our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. 
God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.